Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and they sang... Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Wow. Once again, we're going to have to employ sanctified Imagination. Because human words aren't adequate to describe what John is trying to tell us about. And so I'm glad you're here and I'm glad all of you are watching online as we continue this study of Revelation. And I remind you that John's a real pastor. He's in exile concerned about real churches facing a crisis because Rome is asking people to call Caesar Lord. Rome is asking you to say, my first allegiance, my highest priority is loyalty to Caesar. And if you follow Jesus, you just can't go there. And it's been bad. And it's about to get worse. 
And so John is trying to help them survive everything that's going on around them by helping them see what is going on above them. He's trying to help them and and he's trying to help us interpret our current reality through the lens of a greater reality. And so the door to heaven is open just for a moment. Now we're going to get to all the ugly stuff going on in the earth later. But first we have to take a look into heaven. And we see one who is on the throne. And everything in heaven and on earth is under throne. And this one who is on the throne, he holds the future in his hands. But that's not all he holds. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. And the scroll implies that there is a great story being told. And this story has an author. In other words, history is not just a matter of chance. There is a script. And the writer reigns. And this scroll contains God's plan to ultimately destroy evil and to undo the curse and to deal with the enemies of the people of God. And so naturally, as a pastor, John says, I'd like to know what's on that scroll. I could better prepare my churches for what they're going through if I had a glimpse of God's plan. But not even the mightiest angel in heaven presumes worthiness to take that scroll out of the hand of the one on the throne. And it's enough to make a grown man cry. And John did. But then one of the elders said, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll. And John is thrilled. And he would do exactly what you would do. He would turn to see the lion. And so he was thrilled But then he was stunned because the lion is a lamb. And this is one of the most brilliant and unexpected turns in all of literature. I saw a lamb, not just any lamb, but a lamb that looked like it had been slain. Standing in the center of the throne. Which, by the way, reminds us that one of the things about Jesus that confuses us is that he hardly ever looks like we expect him to look. We have in our minds 
what Jesus ought to be and where he ought to be and what he ought to look like. And he's constantly turning things upside down. By the way, it's one of the reasons they killed him. And I'm sure when John caught a glimpse of a lamb, his first thought was, we don't need a lamb. We need a lion. We are getting clobbered on earth. We've been lambs long enough. See, you've got to understand again that if you read Revelation through the Old Testament, and you must, the lamb is mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible by far. But here's the deal. Almost every single time a lamb is mentioned in the Bible, the lamb gets killed. See, everybody wants a lion for a mascot. Nobody wants a lamb. Of the thousands of high school and college and pro sports teams, how many are called the Lions? And when have you ever seen a team rush onto the field with a big lamb on their helmet? Because lambs get killed. Now, this is critical because I promise it determines the way you interpret Revelation. If you see Jesus as ready to go pounce on his enemies, you will read Revelation one way. And that's a popular way for many to read it. But I think it's significant. Jesus is never going to be called a lion again in the rest of the book. But 28 times, all the way to the very end of the book, he is called the lamb. Now remember, Jesus is giving John the revelation of himself. This is Jesus telling John how Jesus wants John to see him. And Jesus says, I lamb. That's how I want my church to remember me. That's the glimpse of me that is going to inspire and encourage my church in hard times. I am the great I lamb. This book is not about the villains of God. Did you know the word antichrist is not one time mentioned in the book of Revelation? We read that in, but it's not there. This is a book about the lamb. And the very first thing we know about the lamb is that he's worthy. They just keep saying that. This lamb is worthy. He shares the throne with God. And there's no conflict. There's no power struggle. You don't see the one who was on the throne having tension with the lamb. They are united in purpose. In fact, the lamb receives the same worship as God. And God doesn't have a problem with that. Now, give me a 60-second side point. Here's my side point. They sang a new song, they played harps, and the Bible says it was loud. What are the three complaints we get most about worship in churches today? I don't like new songs, I don't like instruments, and I don't like it when it gets loud. I understand that. We're all allowed preferences. 
Because we're all in mortal bodies where we kind of think about what we like. But someday we're going to be delivered. We're going to have immortal bodies. We're going to be totally empty of self. And we're never going to fuss about those things ever, ever again. Side point over. (laughs) You see, when we get to heaven, it's not going to matter what ministers to us. It's simply going to matter how we can minister and praise the Lamb. Because... Around this throne, all they sing about is what he's done. There is no song in Revelation about what we do. And by the way, it's not like the people in heaven haven't done some amazing things. There are martyrs in heaven who died for their faith, but they don't even sing about that. They just focus on the Lamb. They say, you are worthy because you were slain. You are worthy because with your blood you purchased men for God. You are worthy because you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. See, God's plan is bigger than just the salvation of your soul. God's plan is to redeem his whole creation. What God started in Genesis 1, he is going to get back at the end of Revelation. And this plan of God isn't just revealed through the Lamb. It's not just understood through the Lamb. But it is accomplished through the Lamb. God is establishing a new kingdom in and through Christ Jesus. And it's very important that those of us who currently live all over this world in other kingdoms to catch a glimpse of Christ's kingdom. Because if and when the two kingdoms ask for the same thing, you've got to make a choice. Which kingdom trumps? And John's churches are getting clobbered. By Rome. And they've got to be asking the question, is it worth it? And the answer to the question, is it worth it? Depends on the answer to the question, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Because he's not establishing his kingdom like these other kingdoms. And we know that because in this scene three different times and throughout the rest of the book of Revelation, he is called the lamb who was slain. He is the scarred lamb. This lamb who is worthy is a lamb who is Wounded. Now you've got to remember that. This is how Jesus presents himself. In fact, in Revelation 13, in 1 Peter 1, it says, He's the Lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. He was seen as the scarred Lamb before he needed to be scarred. We must never forget this about Jesus. Listen close. He doesn't defeat Satan by pouncing like a lion. But by being sacrificed like a lamb. 
And it may shock some of you. But the Bible does not say that Jesus won the battle against the devil at Armageddon. It says he won it at Calvary. Hebrews chapter 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Who had the power of death. And in Colossians 2.15. God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority with the cross. He won the victory. And showed the world, that they were powerless. This is why Satan doesn't care what you say about Jesus if you just leave out the scars. Martin of Tours, who was the man after whom Martin Luther was named, there's a story about him in the Middle Ages. He's walking on a road, and the devil appeared to him in the image of Christ. And St. Martin was about to bow down and worship when suddenly he looked and he said, Where are the nail prints? And when he said that, the apparition disappeared. Always look for the scars. When anyone talks about Jesus, when anyone talks about the future, when anyone talks about any kind of theology, look for the scars. In Revelation 19, we'll see later, Jesus shows up on a right horse and his, his robe is dipped in blood. And there's two different ways to look at that. And one popular way is that's because he's just going to go down there on earth and slaughter a bunch of people. But notice his robe is bloody before the battle. Because it's his blood. This is how he wins. This is the victory. Now, why is that important? Because our own victory in this world, with whatever you're dealing with right now, has got to conform to the pattern of Jesus' victory. In other words, we don't stand up against the world seeing if we can outpower the world with their weapons. But we come against the world with the strongest force of all, self giving love. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10? I send you out amongst wolves as lambs. Jesus said, the first thing he said about himself in Revelation 1.5, I'm the faithful witness. And I've told you the word witness is the word martyr. Jesus was the first to die like a lamb. In chapter 2, he said, Antipas, my faithful witness, was killed. He was next. And all throughout Revelation, we are told to witness. Chapter 11, the two witnesses are going to get killed. But then they're going to rise again. And in Revelation Faithfulness to Jesus means witnessing like Jesus. It means going out into the world like a lamb. Now imagine how John's readers took this. What John is saying is, yes, it's hard. Yes, some of you are going to suffer. 
Be like Jesus. Do you remember when he's in the garden and they come to arrest him? And it says that Peter cut off the ear of a man named Malchus. And by the way, Peter wasn't aiming for the ear. He was aiming for the head and the guy just ducked. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't rebuke the people that come after him. He rebukes Peter. Because he's not going to establish his kingdom with swords. But with suffering. And so Revelation calls us to choose the way of the lamb over the lion. Realizing lamb power is always going to seem foolish to the world. There is always a Babylon. And Babylon never believes in lamb power. Joseph Goebbels, the infamous Nazi propagandist, wrote in his diaries that have been published several times about Mahatma Gandhi, who's down in India trying to win independence for his people through nonviolence. And Goebbels calls him a fool and says if he would organize militarily, he might have hope. But history has judged Gandhi wise and Goebbels the fool just like in our generation we've seen Martin Luther King we've seen Joseph Mandela we've seen time and time again that what Babylon calls weakness the way of the lamb is actually strength in fact when I was a boy we used to sing a song there is power power wonder working power in the precious blood of the lamb But I'm not sure how much we really believe that. And that's why we need a revelation of the great I Lamb. Not just because He's worthy, but because, now listen, He's winning. Lamb power is winning. Now, Rome... Loved winning. Rome worshipped winning. Literally. Rome had a god. You know what his name was? Nike. And Rome worshipped victory. And so don't miss the subtle thing John is doing. That Jesus is doing. Because over and over in Revelation... To him who overcomes. It's the word Nike. To him who overcomes. To him who Nikes. And over and over in Revelation, Jesus is telling the lambs, you're the real winners. That the victims are becoming the victors. And the vision is saying, don't underestimate lamb power. And over in chapter 12, it's going to say, how did they overcome? Now, look at what it says. This is powerful. They've defeated him. It's Nike. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By their testimony, their witness. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. 
Because if Satan's greatest threat is to kill, and our greatest victory is to die, then who holds the trump card? And so the Babylons have come, and the Babylons have fallen. Because every kingdom that builds itself on power, the power of legislation, the power of military, the power of economy, every Babylon that comes, goes. But the kingdom of the great I Lamb just keeps growing. And I want you to see this. Again, that the victory of the Lamb is not just a personal victory. It's global. They sing, your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And so, the next time you've got to make a choice between kingdoms... When you've got to decide, to whom will I pledge allegiance? Ask yourself, which kingdom is winning? You see, here's the irony. When you look at it that way, the lamb really is a lion. Now, he doesn't pounce. He doesn't kill. And I just don't read Revelation as Jesus raising up an army of people like us who are going to grab a bunch of weapons and blow the bad people away. But history is proving the Lamb is the King of the Beast. And all over the world, if you listen, you can hear the roar of the Lamb. The Lamb is beating Babylon. Just this past week, I read another story. There's so many. George and Elizabeth Wood were missionaries in China and Tibet in the middle of the last century. In 1949, as the communists began to take over, they were exiled from their beloved new home. And they left their little church of about 200 people with a young Christian, Pastor Mung was his name. And it got bad. 29 years of persecution. Of not being allowed to gather, of not being allowed to baptize, of not being allowed to teach anyone under the age of 18 about Jesus. Pastor Mung himself was arrested and spent nine years in prison. When he was allowed in 1983 to get out and gather the group, there was only about 30 people left. They were all mainly older people. In 1998, George Jr. went to China to find the village where his parents had served, and he found Pastor Moon. He asked him, how many believers are there today? And his wife went and she got a little cardboard scroll wrapped up in yarn and she wrote it out on a desk and there were columns, name, address, job, gender. How many names are on here? Pastor Mung said, 1,500. 
How does this happen? Pastor Mung smiled. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray a lot. Pastor Mung died in 2006. He was 96 years old. And when he died, there were 15,000 baptized believers in that region. And the Lamb just keeps roaring. The enemy can only threaten with more death. But that doesn't intimidate people who have seen the scars. Don't ever underestimate lamb power. See, here's the question, really, that the book of Revelation is asking us. Will we choose the love of power? That's the way Rome gets things done. Or will we choose the power of love? Now, there are people listening online right now in countries that couldn't possibly meet in a room like this or they'd get arrested. That's very real to them. But my struggle this morning is how do I make it real to you? No one's going to barge into this room with guns and throw us in jail for being here. But I'm going to suggest to you that in ways we don't even realize, we're answering that question every day. When my wife makes me angry, am I going to be a lion or a lamb? Am I going to raise my children with a fist or with a sacrifice? When people at work are cruel, when I get that ugly email, when the guy on 820 cuts me off and is rude, I'm telling you, every day we're answering the question, how does life work? What does life in Jesus look like? Do we believe in lamb power? Because Babylon says, if you want to get things done, you can't be afraid to do a little killing. And Jesus says, if you want the life that's real life, you can't be afraid to do a little dying. And who do you think wins? Some of us are barely old enough to remember the incident of the USS Pueblo. In 1968, This naval vessel was captured and boarded by the North Koreans. I was just a little boy, but I still can remember that something important in the world was happening. And for almost one year, American sailors were held prisoners by the North Koreans. Many stories have come from that. It was tough. It was brutal. For example, they took 13 sailors... And they placed them in a room around a table. And they told them to sit in assigned seats and to sit there rigidly. And then a soldier burst in the door with a rifle. And he took the butt of his rifle and he savagely beat the sailor in the first chair. And the next day, they were assigned those same seats. And he came back in and he did it again. And the third day, he did it again. 
And his fellow sailors knew he can't take this one more day. And so the fourth day when the man came in with the gun, a different sailor was in that seat. And every day for weeks, those young men took turns sitting in that seat. And eventually the North Koreans stopped because they realized they were the ones who were looking weak. That they were losing. Is it worth it to live like lambs? And it all depends on the question. Is he worthy? And that's why you need a revelation. Would you stand with me, please? After my prayer, we're going to sing a song. And during that song, if you need someone to pray with you, if you need someone to confess a sin to, if God's just doing something in your heart and you need to talk it out, if you need to be covered in the blood of the Lamb, want you just to come and respond. And now, Father, I ask you to give us a greater capacity to see Jesus not the way we want him to be, not the way we invent him to be, but help us, God, to see Jesus the way he reveals himself to be. As the lamb who was slain, who was worthy because he has purchased people for God. From every tongue and every tribe and every nation. And we hear the roar and his kingdom is growing. And Father, give us more faith this morning to believe there is wonder working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb. And cause us each to have the courage this morning to ask. Am I willing to die Because that's how Jesus wins. All honor and glory and blessing and praise and power be unto the Lamb and the one who sits on the throne. Amen. The prayer team is going to be down here. Please come as we worship.